0: Welcome to episode 104 of Destination Linux. This is a podcast of opinions made up of four of the smartest minds ever to discuss their passion for Linux on Destination Linux. I'm Michael, and with me today are my three podcasting peeps. Zeb, how are you doing this week?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you, Michael. Hope you're well, too.
0: Absolutely. I'm, I'm doing stupendous. And uh, Ryan, how are you?
2: Cheerio! Cheerio!
0: Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and our good friend Noah, how are you doing?
2: Oh, real good there, you betcha. <laughs> okay, well, accent. I figured I had a good accent. No, North, North Dakota. You
1: do know Cheerio is goodbye, don't you? Oh no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> goodbye.
3: goodbye. <laughs>
1: so
0: yeah, we just started the podcast, and he, Ryan just decided to end it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Noah, what have you been up to this week?
2: I so on December 31st, a new version of Mix came out. Um, it was, and I had it here 2.1.6, I believe. I wrote it down. So six uh, 2.6.1. 2.6.1, that's what I said. I just make exactly are sure paying attention. Exactly. So December 31st, 2.1.6, like I said, came out, and uh <laughs> and uh, we actually purchased brand new hardware to run it on because um as a as kind of a side gig, I do DJing for weddings and events and stuff like that. And uh, there were some pretty cool features that had come out with it, and they've they've come out with some new, uh, not I, I don't want to say themes, but like skins, and so it presents the information to you a little bit differently. And we actually purchased a brand new computer, so I've spent the last week uh, you would not believe how much work it is to go retrieve. And export all of our music libraries and all of our playlists and all of our uh, audio uh, car- carts or whatever they call it, uh, and and get all of those put into the the new machine. So I've been spending some time playing with Mix, and it's been absolutely fantastic. And I'm really thankful that to the developers of that project that have made a product that stamps out the proprietary alternative, and uh, and they give it away for free.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It's pretty cool. It's it's got a lot of cool things that I tried to play with and have no idea what they do. <laughs>
2: Put it on Auto DJ. Push that oh. button and just watch it roll.
0: I can yeah. tell totally you
3: that. It's kind of like me on a keyboard where they have the demo mode and then you just kind of push exactly. some buttons to make it. Yeah, that would be exactly. me. Exactly.
0: So, Zeb, what's new with you?
1: Um, I'd like to start off by saying I do not suffer from hepatitis. Okay? So it's got nothing to do with anything <laughs> Hopatitis. It's not I, just because I tried three distros this week. It's wow. Not so um, I tried Linux Mint, Umix OS, and Tux Linux. Now I can talk about them now, or I can talk about them later in the show. But basically, next, wow, <laughs> none of great. them, none of them are anything. I mean, Linux Mint is Linux Mint. That's where, where I'm surprised. Mint. Like yeah. you don't like yeah. that? I don't like Linux Mint. No, I would recommend it for someone new to Linux to come in and get used to it. But it's just, it's just there. It's Mint. It's just really okay next but it that's so wasn't...
3: unfair it's such a great i mean it's as stable as an ubuntu or anything else. i mean it's based on it so it's it...
1: the fact that i would give it to a new user is testament that it's, it is a brilliant um distribution it was it's just boring for me. you
3: for you you're just yeah. like well, okay yeah. all right and, i have a nice new Unix design though. what new is
1: this unity thing and it just completely blew up i mean the dark one can tell you how, what, what a bad time i had it i then tried to reinstall it again and it was fine Except I can't get rid of the controls on the left-hand side of the screen. I can't get rid of the fact that it puts three bars along the top of every single monitor. It's just Mm -hmm. not for me. Sorry. Interesting. That's what I've been
0: up to this week. Unity's actually quite good, and it's it's sad. They should make it off plasma. Anyway, so Ryan, what have you been doing this week? So I set
3: up a fund, a GoFundMe for Zeb to bring him to America, right? We're going to bring him to America. We're going to bring him to Southeast Linux Fest, which is probably going to be sometime in June. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we want to get him a flight and, of course, a hotel room. So that is out there and people are already donating to it. And believe me, we're going to use all of our patron funds and things that we can to add on top of that. But we want to get him here. I do want to explain and just be very transparent of why this is going to cost us, you know, a lot of money, obviously, for an international flight to get Zeb there. Um, But now the expenses have increased because Zeb sent me a document called Zeb's Travel requirements. So I just want to go through this so people (laughs) kind of understand Uh, a first class flight uh, he wants with two seats booked and unlimited alcohol. So I thought that was a little unfair, but a variety pack of biscuits, not cookies, in his Mm -hmm. private dressing room. And he put, not that American crap tea you all pass off as tea, but proper English tea, fresh brewed every hour. So that's going to cost a little bit of money there. Um, For entertainment, he wants 007 Austin Powers and Mr. Bean movies in Laserdisc format, which I thought was a little weird. And then two large batons with the British flag on them. So know that your money is going towards all of that.
2: You know, there's some you, listener out there that shut the podcast off, and they were like, "To heck with those guys, wasting money on stuff like that." But yeah, I've done enough jokes that there's somebody out there that just took that all seriously. It's quite possible, you,
0: but I mean, we did forget one important thing. That was the of M and M's, where the the all, all it's just brown M and M's. You got to pick out every other color.
1: And but, Marmite. Marmite, yeah, yeah.
0: That, well, it's it's Marmite flavored M and M's. That's the point. <laughs> Marmite
1: and- and 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 what's what's the what's the bail conditions for unruly behaviour and using bad language? Because I'm obviously going to say something that I'm not meant to say because it's in America, and I'm going to be talking about going on an elevator or the sidewalk. We're
3: going to help you out. Yeah, we'll we'll,
0: we'll just like we'll just correct yeah. you every time you speak. You speak and say something. I'll come
1: straight say, out of the
2: airport and get done for jaywalking. Don't, just don't don't blow any of your own trumpets
1: when you get yeah, exactly. up exactly because and you'll in, in the uk the plane first plane. thing you do is you come out of the airport and you dodge traffic to get to the car park well i understand that if you in america you get nicked
0: yeah they don't want, you, want you to jay-walking. do it there's certain there's certain <laughs> places you're, you're allowed to walk at a certain time because otherwise they have like a like oh. they're d- directing traffic for the cars and we're place. gonna make oh. up
3: all kinds of rules that aren't d- true just to laugh at you <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: say, I, I guess that is i guess technically it would be jaywalking but everybody does it especially at airports
3: yeah, Well, uh, that's a joke, of course. Zeb's not requiring any of that. We're going to send him basically in the cargo on in the cheapest plane we can find <laughs> that may or may not get him there. But that is seriously. We do have a <laughs> GoFundMe page there. So please go out there and check that out. And on top of that, I have a brand new Team Red certified laptop with the Ryzen 5 2500U and Vega 8 graphics built in. I absolutely love it. It's sitting behind there under a magazine, so nobody can get a sneak peek of the model or what it is, because it'll be on my channel. But let me tell you something. It's blazing fast, and the first fully Team Red laptop I've ever had, so really excited to unveil
0: that to people. Nice.
3: So nice. are you saying it is in the background right now? It is there under a magazine. Oh, it's well, that's cheating. It's that's very, cheating. I was going to zoom in, thin. and
0: they editing, and it's like, this particular <laughs> laptop. <laughs> So this episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean. And DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and much more. You can get all of this stuff in world-class customer support for as low as $5 per month. Or you can use their flexible pricing structure for only 0.7, 0.7 cents per hour. That's seven-tenths of one cent Per hour, and they also have uh, wow. two thousand cloud agnostic tutorials you can check out to be like keep up to date with the new things in this very software, languages, frameworks, all kinds of things. And you can get started with DigitalOcean for uh, oh, with a cr- free credit of a hundred dollars that you can do, so, and you can get started by going to do.co/dl. That's do.co/dl.
3: And You know, I was thinking about this recently because I was doing those classes where I'm learning a lot of more details within Linux for the Linux essential courses and things like that. A lot of the utilizing a lot of tools and commands and things that I don't necessarily want to run on my main machine because I'm afraid it can mess something up until I fully understand it. And I was thinking back to my journey in Linux. And one of the first things I did is I booted up a digital ocean server so that I could go in there and play because I kept hearing about it. And so I booted one up and I would go in there and I'd play with terminal commands because it's so easy just to wipe it and add something new back. So yeah. uh, I suggest if you're out there, because a lot of people in our Telegram group were saying that they were really interested in the fact that I was doing the training and the Linux essential courses and asking about which one that I was doing and that type of thing. It would be a really good idea to spin up a digital ocean droplet here, especially with this credit uh you get a $100 credit there so that you could practice a lot of these commands and things in an environment where the worst case scenario you could just delete the droplet add a new one back and boom you're right back in business
0: yeah that's a great point um I mean, we're also thinking about like doing some, uh, some modifications to our if workflow using some droplets and one of the things that we're going to do is uh, replace our collaborative editing thing with something like etherpad where we can like self-host a etherpad instance and have like a, a nice uh you know, Thank
2: op- God we're going away from Google Docs. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yeah, you we all hate
0: it. it. We all hate it. It's just that like was
2: the, it was the worst thing about working it over at the other place was was dealing with with Google Docs, and I was so thankful the day that I didn't have to do it anymore. And then we started Destination Life. like, so imagine Spack me, the person Docs. who hates all
3: those products yes. the most, having oh. to use this thing.
0: Yeah, we, yeah. We, we we hate we we all hate the uh, Google Docs, and, and it's well, and we, I like it. Okay. <laughs> Okay, some oh, it, of us have bad taste, works. but that's not- <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're gonna switch to Etherpad. We're gonna use the DigitalOcean droplet for uh, for doing that. And if you wanna try out some, uh, you know, like we said, you can get a uh, hundred dollar free credit to try out DigitalOcean, and you can do that by going to do. dash dl. Wait, not dash. It's do. co slash dl.
3: You were thinking of those DL. terminal commands. I was there? thinking of the
0: command, the commands you were referring to exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Zeb,
3: what do we got going on with email, sir?
1: Um, well, we got a, quite a good email this week. So it says, hello, Ryan, Michael, Zeb, and Noah. Thank you for your efforts to keep us all up to date on the latest in Linux. I love listening to your podcasts. I was wondering if you would do a segment on what options are available for those of us who are using 32-bit computers. Ooh. I'm on Ubuntu now, but it won't upgrade to 1810 because the main Ubuntu stopped 32-bit support. I have to go somewhere else now, and I don't know where to begin. I know Lubuntu is supported for the next few years, but I have really enjoyed getting a new upgrade, new features, and a new look every six months. Um, having an old XP on this notebook die is what motivated me to stop dabbling with dual boot and convert completely over to Linux at home. Yes. I've come to think of Linux as the computer rejuvenator, <laughs> sprucing up old hardware with a spiffy new operating system this guy's got to be English, that just so happens to blow XP out of the water performance-wise. What distro can I go to? Other people me, have said it's time to move on and buy a new computer. Sorry, go on, Noah, you were going to no, say.
2: No, 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 I, I didn't realize there was more to the email.
1: Yeah, sorry. So he then goes on to say other people have said it's time to move on and buy a new computer. But I would rather continue to use this old reliable machine as it still works fine for my minimal requirements, such as email, surfing the net and watching the occasional movie on DVD. If you could have a segment with some guidance as to what distros you would recommend for 32-bit computers from the XP era, that would be great. Doesn't have to be Ubuntu based. What would you recommend? And he goes on to finish with, thanks again for the great podcast. I have a tab for your website coming up automatically on my phone. So I will see each new episode, the moment it shows up, keep up the great work. Take care, Gladdy. Well,
3: thank you so much for that awesome email. And I really like this because he wants some recommendations on 32-bit. And there is a lot of news that we had covered, especially several months ago last year where they were talking about A lot of the distros that we've come to know that had 32-bit support were dropping it. So this starts becoming an issue for those who need that. The first thing that came to my mind was MX Linux, because that's Mm -hmm. one of my top five favorite distributions of all time. And so I reached out to Dolphin and just said, hey, before I recommend it, do you have any plans to drop (laughs) MX in the future? And he said, absolutely not. As long as it keeps getting supported on Debian, he's going to keep supporting it as well. So, MX Linux, I think, is a great option that's just absolutely gorgeous and modern uh, that runs on 32-bit modern feeling uh, desktop environment.
0: Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, the distributions that are, you know, that they're Ubuntu based that have 32-bit still, if they're going to abandon 32-bit as well, because if they don't have the team, like they don't have the, the Ubuntu team making the making it possible to easily do the 32-bit, will they? You know, just kind of a it or, or whatever. Uh, it's cur- I'm curious to see what happens, but I, I think the MX was the was the first one that popped in my head too. Even when you were, were reading the email in the show, I was like, MX Linux. That's what we're. Getting- that's what I would yeah. go with.
1: And, and 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 even though I'm a, a team Peppermint aficionado we are Ubuntu based so we will lose that 32 bit sooner or later unless like you just pointed out Mark decides to carry on and, and keep building it himself so yeah the first thing that popped into my mind was was MX Linux um, and or Antix which is also yeah. based upon 32 bit and it's, it's much more lightweight so I don't know wh- which he would find better with that um, level of machine. Now, being as you're an Arch user, um, they don't do 32-bit anymore? No, they no, killed they, 32-bit
0: like a year that's ago. That's not true. Arch has 32-bit. They don't have a 32-bit ISO. They have 32-bit applications.
1: Hmm. Didn't know that.
3: Right.
0: So I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they mentioned... They, there was, a, there was a, an announcement a couple... Because um, they like have a Arch ago. that
3: runs pretty much on everything, Arm, the worst no, mm-hmm. no, no, no. I mean,
0: the, Arch Linux Arms is a completely separate project and nothing to do with Arch. Like that's just, that, that's a, a separate project project that got permission to use the term Arch Linux as a part of their name. So like th- that's just a totally different thing. But the Arch, um, the Arch main project had 32-bit and they announced, I'm pretty sure they said that they were going to not do ISOs for 32-bit anymore. They were just going to do 32-bit applications available. But I'm pretty sure they announced it like two, a year and a half ago or so.
3: Well, there's Arch Linux 32.org, but it looks like maybe it's a community maintained version of it. So, yeah, maybe, maybe you're half right and half wrong. I'll go mm-hmm. with that. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, Noah, what were you going to say halfway through the email? Uh,
2: well, what I was going to say was if, hypothetically speaking, if Lubuntu was interested in continuing to support a 32 bit Operating system, like you say, it's based on Ubuntu, so some of that is out of their hands. But hypothetically speaking, if that was to continue, would you stay on Lubuntu was going to be my question. And I'd be interested to hear the response to that question. Mm-hmm. Because a little birdie has told me that there may be some interest in maintaining 32-bit, a 32-bit version or variant of a Lubuntu style or type distro if there was a use for it. The issue is that there's not a lot of people that are asking for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, the percentage is very low of how many people who use 32-bit because, you know, you can get a 30, a 64-bit from, a, like, a garage sale now. Like, they, they've Lux. been around for a long time. Yeah. You
1: can, but we've just recently had our respin, and you'll be surprised to know that 40% were still going for the 32-bit version. That's interesting.
2: How, nice. Well, hold on. That No, we can't. So... Respectfully, the issue there is, does everybody that's downloading that ISO understand the difference between 32-bit and 64-bit? Because a lot of people will, especially in this, I think what contributed to this very early on was Canonical, I think it was Canonical or maybe it was Fedora, had when you download, it would say 64-bit, ensure that you have a 64-bit processor, and then under 32-bit, it would say, if you're not sure, use this. And I think we created a narrative that 32-bit is the most compatible piece of software. And so if you don't really know what the 64-bit thing is, then just download the 32-bit. And that just became the Mm -hmm. de facto standard. So what would be interesting to see is if you only released a 64-bit version, how much of your user base would drop off? That would be a a, a representation. I I bet you that number would be a lot lower than 40%.
1: Maybe we can reach out to Popey and ask him. Yeah, Maybe. (laughs) Because yeah. they should have the stats that are there from the Ubuntu side of things. Well, oh, I mean, sure. they, they
0: have the 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 stats from, like, the 1804 version. I think that's the only one that they would, like, I think it's the only, that was the only one that had 32 bit
1: As I recall, it was
3: pretty low yeah. back then. I think they uh, said it was, like,
0: mm-hmm. 10% max. And I think it was actually less than that, but I don't know. Yeah.
3: Well, we love so, hearing from our listeners, don't we, Zeb?
1: We certainly do, and we want to hear from you. So send us your emails this week asking that burning question or simply... Giving us some feedback on how you think the show went or what you'd like to hear in the show, like we've just had done there from Gladdy. So send your email comments to well, emails to comments at destinationlinux.org.
0: Up first in the show is news from the Linux kernel that we're going to now do, uh, no longer we're going to do 4.21, like we talked about previously. We're going to do 5.0. So Linux 5.0 has been announced. Uh, Linux has announced that the to the mailing list that they're going to go ahead and switch to the new major version of 5.0 and that the difference between 4.21 and 5.0 as far as the naming scheme goes is nothing just cuz what? It's not a huge
3: event. There's not going to be cakes and things and, and fireworks going off and new features
0: we never heard of. I mean, it's 5.0, Michael. Right, but my favorite part about the Linux naming scheme is that it used to have like a, a structure meaning like in the two-point series. Then mm-hmm. then the 3.0 was like, we've just released too many two-points X whatever series. We're just going to go to three. <laughs> and then the next one, he's like, well, should we go to four? He's like, yeah, why not? But- <laughs> like at this if this is the same kind of thing it's like they don't really care it's just more like here we're we're doing it because we're we're constantly doing iterative updates and things like that and we've done enough of those for the 4 series we might as well just do 5 now
1: right well like, i think i think they're calling this 5 because team green is getting nvidia RTX touring support in nuvo
3: oh hold on That's i think i'm getting sick new. to my stomach <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, well, maybe you'll like the next item then about the uh, Team Pi.
3: Yeah, Team Pi gets what we discussed last week, Raspberry Pi touchscreen support. And those with 4K screens, we happen to know that they get large versions of Terminus console font. So if you have a 4K screen in Linux uh, and really any OS right now, uh, there's a bad habit of opening programs in there. Super teeny tiny. Um, so you have to pretty much scale uh, up to be able to see everything effectively depending on how the, the app or program was written. Uh, so it's nice to see Terminus there getting some 4K support.
1: But it's, it's really strange because they say it's it's easier to read. Don't you just go in and edit the settings on Terminus and put it at 16-point anyway?
0: Well, the idea is that you wouldn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, because it it's built in the kernel by default to have like a, a larger version, so you don't have to worry about that.
1: And they would then automatically realize you're on 4K and present that. Oh, it's automatically going to be like that. So if you want a normal monitor, you're going to have Fisher Price text.
0: I haven't looked into see what the difference of how they Fisher up.
1: Price, Fisher
0: Price, but I assume they're going to do a uh, they're going to do an option where the DE will decide which one to use and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, Could Michael, what do we get in 5.0? What in, in Linus's words? Here. Oh, in Linus's words, he says that. Uh, about 50% of the of this update is, is drivers-based. The 20% is architecture updates. 10% is tooling. And the remaining 20% is just uh, all over. So there's documentation, networking, file systems, uh, core code, and m- a bunch more. And he says, another particular, anything, nothing in particular stands out. Although I do like seeing somehow anci- some of the ancient drivers are being put out to pasture. It's like, and then he puts
3: cough, ISDN, cough.
0: And I thought that was <laughs> so funny. <laughs>
2: his I did not realize there was any sort of continual development on ISDN or things that supported ISDN. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, the, the, it's the, the whole thing about the kernel is like they always have like these these architectures and stuff that they've been ha- or drivers they've had for like a long time, and then they they'll drop the support for it, and then people will go, "What is that?" So there's like yeah. they dropped like eight different architectures in the kernel like uh, six months ago or something, and most of them had most people had never heard of all any of the eight. So it's like this one is like. Is more of a how is this even still a thing? Because can you even get an ISDN network anymore? I don't know. Yeah. Well, by the
3: way, I use Arch and Arch already got 4.20 just released a few weeks ago uh, after the Linux kernel was released, got it only a few weeks after. So if you want to test out the new 5.0 with all of its architecture and driver support, probably want to run Arch. Just saying. Okay. But also,
2: before I move on, can I just point out how awesome the Linux community is? I just got a message from the uh, uh, Lubuntu release manager, and he said that they have actually carved out the infrastructure for i386, and they are more than willing to support it if there's interest in it. But right now, the download ratio is 6 to 1, 64-bit to 386. That's why they're looking and going, ah, 32-bit is just... There's yeah. just there's declining interest. So it's not so just so we're clear, like they're willing to do the work if there's the interest out there, but you gotta go download the the ISO and show them that, hey, there's enough of us out here to matter because the one lone horse, you know, that's not gonna be a that's not gonna be a thing. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to derail the show. I just think it's cool that No, you know, that's a program and all of a sudden we get the release manager like, hey. <laughs> We care. We absolutely yeah. care. We got our post on this thing.
0: I mean, I agree. That's great. It's, it's, if you have a live update, feel free to do it.
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm. No, that's great. So everyone go out there if you want that 32-bit to stay and show some love for it. Uh, I saw a new distro I wasn't familiar with. You guys might have seen it before, yeah. but it's Fun2Linux, and they had a new release, 1.3. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a fan of Gentoo, 2, uh, you may want to check out Funtu. <laughs> as they have this new release and apparently it was created by the Gentoo founder Daniel Robbins. Funtu mm-hmm. was. Uh, he was the chief architect before leaving, and it looks like in about 2009 that he released this. So it's been out there for quite a while. Um, it looks very similar when I was looking through it to Gentoo in how you install it, meaning there is a huge list of things and it's, you know yeah. that you have to go through to get this installed. And in fact, you use the Gentoo live ISO, uh, to kind of kick that off. But there was another distro that's mentioned on Fun2 called Bento. There's too many twos here, it's getting confusing. But the Bentu apparently is a much easier version of Fun2 to install. It comes kind of with the desktop, Plasma DE, and things installed. So a couple options there for you Gen2, Fun2 or been to, to check out but uh so you said you'd heard of funtu before michael yeah anything here that i missed about this it's interesting uh
0: for the most part i mean you got it pretty much it's a, it's a Gentoo, um like it's not a derivative it's a it's very it's very similar because the guy who created it essentially what happened was that the Gentoo community disagreed with the founder and he decided to leave the project and go make um you know make his this funtu alternative so it's 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 a, it's a very similar because they basically started in the same time because he left, like they started Gen 2 in 2000 and he left like late 2000. So the it, it was interesting to see like the transition from uh, his work on that and, the, and then the, the, the stuff that was continuing with Gen 2 versus like the stuff he did with Fun 2. And I've seen a lot of people, I've talked to a lot of people who prefer Fun 2 over Gen 2. Um, I don't really have a preference either way um, because they're both kind of, uh, you know, a lot to do. And, yeah, uh,
3: a lot to do is a good way to explain it. Although I hear you get a lot of great performance out of it uh, by the time I was done with it. I, yeah, I, I was, Arch was hard enough for me. I'll stick there. But um, well, this 1.3 version is they moved to an LTS kernel. They now have AWS images for the Amazon cloud out there available, which I thought was yeah. pretty cool. A lot of security and bug fixes. Um, deprecation of multi-lib support so 64-bit version of fun will no longer run 32-bit applications that, that,
0: that sounds like a, a bad idea but I mean I understand <laughs> I, I can understand if there's like an issue with having to maintain all that stuff but I mean there's still a lot of applications that are 32-bit based and stuff like that
3: and they have a fully frozen kit that they base their repos off of so this looks like it would be maybe a more is it supposed to be a more stable kind of LTS
0: derivative of Gentoo? 2 not really i mean it they, they the way that they're both technically rolling releases because they're source based um but it's not necessarily a lts version because it they it kind of is because of that like now since they're moving to lts kernel and moving to more lts pack- packaging uh but i wouldn't i wouldn't really describe it as an lts cuz you could say that Gen 2 is only required you to update as much as you want to so you could specify things like to a certain degree where you could make gen 2 as uh, lts if you want it to be
2: gotcha
3: all right so it's pretty cool if you want to check out something new check out fun too.
2: also if you want to check out something cool check out the latest release of ubiports so the ota 7 has been released and there are a lot of really cool exciting features now the first is that i thought was pretty cool is they upgraded Libhybris. Uh, lib hybris a lib hybris is the underlying architecture or thing, essentially, that allows it to run on top of Android. Um, they also added the ability to theme your keyboard. So if you don't like it shining on your face at night, then you have the ability <laughs> to change that to something darker. And uh, the other thing that's pretty cool is they have gotten their development cycle down to one month. So the last time they released, uh, the last time they had an OTA release, it would have been 6.0, and that was just one month ago. And they've now gotten it, they've, they've done some tweaking to their internal release cycle, so they've got it down to exactly one month, which is pretty cool. They also have some de- mm. some default options for per-page Zoom, which uh, has been frustrating for some people that uh, that are using it as their daily driver. So if you're looking to get some extra life out of that old Android phone and uh, and you're not sure what to do, consider loading an alternative ROM, and Ubuntu Touch might be the way to go. It certainly has probably, I'd say, other than the like free versions of Android and free as in free freedom, Ubuntu Touch is probably most prolific operating system for alternative operating system for phones out there.
3: Yeah, it's so good. Uh, you know, it there's a lot it's not meant as to be used as necessarily as a daily driver just yet. And I think even the developers will say, you know, there're little bugs and tweaks there, but it's so close. It's so close. And if you think about everything that goes into a phone os (laughs) there you go you got it right there um it's just how far we've come when these phones first came out you know things like cutting and pasting didn't exist that didn't come until you know like six months to a year later after we started getting these smartphones in did those features start to arrive Mm -hmm. but now Mm -hmm. they have to play catch up and write an entire mobile os essentially with all of those features other people took years to eventually build in all at once because now we expect to have it right
2: there a little little bit of shameless self-plugging i uh uh, for we did a a celebration episode i think it was episode 100 of asno we we went out to a a, to a a local uh, restaurant and and ordered food and drinks and the uh the ubuntu touch people came out and came out to hang out with us and brought demo devices and so we got to play with some of the cool things and, and saw what was coming around the corner and i mean these guys are some of the most dedicated people you'll ever meet and we're actually going to have the release manager dalton durst is going to join me on tuesday for an interview about nice. the
1: release yeah that's so, awesome cool. so is there a, a like a defined kit of old phones that you can put this on yes. or is it yes. any no oh, it's, just,
0: is. it's certain types of phones like the uh this one is the uh the this is the OnePlus one plus uh, one you can't really All tell right, there, yeah. but there's it's also original, yeah. uh, the if, nexus if, 5 if,
2: if you go to ubiports.com slash devices, you'll get a list of all of the supported devices that you can, that that they recommend that you use to put it on. Yeah. Right.
3: Yeah. Okay. And, and you mentioned so, them being really active in the community and they are. When I released yeah. my video on my channel on, you know, utilizing this as a daily driver and talked about all the functionality and things I loved. And obviously I've been in telecom my entire life, so I kind of know it pretty well. Uh, they were actively immediately engaged in the telegram asking me about any of the critiques that I had and, specifically how do I how do I recreate it. So they were they're just very active and they really care about this product. And so I definitely recommend you can go get an old Nexus 5 for like 50, 60 bucks. Go go grab one off eBay just to play with this, if nothing else, to see what they've done over there because it's quite extraordinary. I think
0: I think it's one of the it's it's definitely the the closest we have as an as alternative to Android while you know being Linux and everything. Mm -hmm. And it it does it so well that uh, it's kind of surprising there are certain things that you got to get used to because it's the the interface is very different um, but for the most part it's like it's it it does pretty much everything you want it to do and there are there like we talked about it in a previous episode of a couple months back or so that they are working on making android support so android apps would have be would have support on the ubuntu touch so you'd be able yep. to use a lot of applications and i'm crossing my fingers that um the thing the my the most important thing that I want is KDE Connect. So as soon as I get that, like I'm pretty good to go. So
3: there you go.
1: Sounds sounds like a plan. Okay, so moving on to the next item. And I need to know first of all, are we going to call this Tilix or Tilex? Tilex. Tilex. Okay. So I-, I don't new, know. Let's
2: um, let's re- let's consult how to pronounce to figure that out. Tilex. Uh?
1: <laughs> uh? Tylex. Yeah. Cool. So <laughs> Tilex 1.8.7 um, is out. And for those who love the idea of a tiling windows, but are not yet ready to jump to i3, they should j- definitely check out Tilex as their terminal emulator. Um, Tilex has been one of our recommended tiling terminal emulators. Try and say that three times when you're drunk. <laughs> <And the> Destination <laughs> Linux show in the past, and it has now got a brand new release in 1.87, 1.8.7. So, Anybody who uses this, um, what's what's good and great about it? What's what's why should we change from XFCE terminal, let's say, for argument's sake?
3: The the tiling. It really is the tiling. So if you you know, one of the ways that I use this the most is say if I'm SSHing into different servers that I have. So if I have multiple Mm -hmm. servers that I'm getting into, I don't want to have multiple windows on your standard desktop or terminals that I'm trying to move around my screen to figure out which ones on which server and all this stuff with Tilex. you basically open this one terminal emulator. You've got little button GUIs at the top where you could click, open another terminal below it, open another one beside it, open another one below that. So now I have, one window with four terminals in it. I can put my servers in there. You can also do theming and all kinds of other things in there. Um, it's just a really cool uh, way of kind of seeing the advantage of having tiling uh, capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you don't have to be an i3 prodigy to learn it. I'll throw yep. that in there. Uh, it's very easy. So, to
1: could, it. so could you have two smaller ones at the top and a, and a slightly wider one at the bottom? Yes. Yes. So that you yep yeah, so oh, okay so that's that's pretty cool yeah you can do
0: yep. all kinds of stuff with it and also another thing about Tilex is that it has a built-in drop down terminal so you can use Tilex to both your tiling terminal and as well as a drop down at the same time so it it allows mm-hmm. you to sync your history and sessions and stuff um, so if you have multiple uh, tiling but you'll have probably multiple logs and stuff or like your history your bash history and things like that so it, mm-hmm. it allows you to sync it much much better and overall, it's like cool. it's just a nice, exp- it's a nicer experience. Like, there are some other terminal emulators that have a um, tiling system built into it, like
1: Terminator. Uh, but I was gonna uh, say Terminator is yeah. one that I remember seeing, yeah.
0: But yeah,
3: Tilex is pretty
1: also good. good. Is that this app It also includes fixes for H- HIDPI scaling? Yeah, it's good to see. Um, new memory leak fixes and other tweaks and bug resolutions. So, there you have it Tilex 1.8.7. Go fill your brains. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Well, something that's a filling... Google is deciding to fill Linux with some extra features with Chrome, and that is they're adding support for the enabling the Moho Video Decoder. And Now, this was added to Chrome 73, 72 for Windows users and not for Linux, but they have decided that 73 will have it, so they're basically correcting their mistake... And that's always that's nice right.
1: to see. So sorry, I've just got to have just got to correct Mister pronunciation there. Where's the H in Moho? It's Mojo. It could be Mojo, no, like it's, Austin It's not people who call it Manjaro. It's Manjaro. Well, no,
0: no, no, it could be Moho. You don't know. Did you look it up?
1: Yes, it's, I could see it on the screen in front of me. Mojo. But uh, that's <laughs> M-O-J-O. not what I meant. That's,
3: that's not what the listeners yeah. want. They don't want to hear a pronunciation so, lesson. They want to know about what Mojo <laughs> is. <laughs>
0: Well, okay, so Chrome and the decoder. <laughs> um, so the, the the Mojo video decoder it allows you to add a, a new VDA layer by allowing to use uh, GPU processing, so like uh, hard, hardware enablement kind of thing to uh, yeah. So you so we finally get hard, hardware enablement for uh, for Linux on inside the Chrome. So you can now your Chrome instance can do take up slightly less of your resources.
3: Yeah, which is fantastic. So if you're brand new to Linux, you may be used to Chrome. Once you get used to Linux, you'll get rid of Chrome anyways exactly. and go to Firefox, so it probably won't matter. But right. for those who are brand new into Linux and still using that privacy-invasive tool, uh, you now can do better video uh, encoding out of it. So there you go.
1: Yeah, and as crazy it might seem is if this was the one thing holding you back, don't don't let it do it anymore because we've got the same power and speed as that other OS. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> Linux rocks.
3: Speaking of something that rocks, the introware line has a new all-in-one PC called the Ares. We have a lot of pronunciation things that's making me question. Like, <laughs> I don't even know if I got that one right. <laughs> it's this, is this is the episode of okay. not knowing how to pronounce things. I um, assume
0: Aries is right because of the, you know, this, it, yeah. it's spelled the same way.
1: What's wrong with you? The Greek god of god something? Of war. Or? Yeah, has got a war. Yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're but right.
0: it could have been spelled. They could yeah. have spelled it a different way. Who knows? Um, in this case, I would say it, it's Aries. yeah. Hey,
3: Noah, irregardless. <laughs> <laughs> the introware is a UK-based PC manufacturer, and they make custom Linux systems. So they already have a special place in my heart just for that. Um, I've never had, because I've built computers my whole life, I've never had a want to have an all in one PC because generally that means proprietary. It's very hard to get in there and work on them and change things out. But that doesn't mean most people who haven't spent their life building PCs don't want that because especially if you have a little dis- desk space and so you can't have all these giant computers and monitors and everything sitting on. Also, it just looks classier if you have one of those sitting out, say, in a living room or other areas of your home or if you're in an office situation, again, yeah. where real estate may be an issue. They are beautiful. You can't take away from the fact that all-in-ones are beautiful. And I love that we have an option now in Linux, to have this all-in-one with Entraware that they've released here. So it has some mm-hmm. pretty good specs here. It starts at about 739 squiddles. Is that right, Zeb? Yeah, that'll do <laughs> Okay, and it's got an 8th-gen Intel Core i7 uh, to kick off up to 32 gigabytes of DDR4 and up to a 2-terabyte NVMe in there. Nice. Nice. Uh, the only thing I didn't like is there was no AMD version, so I'm hoping someone in Entraware drops an AMD version in there because right now they just have the Intel option. So. But it looks pretty I mean, cool if you check it out.
1: Yeah, what I mean, when you think about it, it's crazy that you've just literally got a 24-inch monitor monitor in front of you that's got a Core i7-8700, 32 gig of memory, and 6 terabytes of storage that you've just plopped in. It's just incredible. Yeah, It would also be nice to see slightly bigger monitors as well because 4k on that would be a bit and and that was the only thing they didn't talk about what the graphics card would be like no it's not a graphics
0: it's It's integrated graphics
3: that's the problem that was another issue i saw zeb so good call out you know i they really should have some other options out there outside especially when you've got such great options there for Mm -hmm. your cpu and other things to have a dedicated gpu uh, which would make it much more usable in say a work environment where you're doing graphical work or those type of things you want that you don't want to use an in- integrated intel gpu for that type of stuff so it'd be interesting yeah, if they had like can... um
0: thunderbolt support then you could do like an external gpu and stuff like that that'd be really cool yeah mm-hmm. does it does it yeah. not yeah. I, I, thought... don't, I don't know if it does or not i was just saying uh, it, i think it does i just didn't want yeah. to claim that it did or not cuz i didn't i'm not i wasn't sure it would it'd be no, great they do, if it
1: did. they do offer additional displays but they're add-on displays not You don't change the main box. You can just add additional displays to it. But yeah, I mean, if you add everything up that you can possibly put on there, you don't want to spend 2,700 pounds without a dedicated graphics card. That would be slightly crazy. But it's a good starting point. It's really, really good. Well, I
3: don't know how this happened. It must have been a mistake because I got two articles in a row here so it must be my mistake or somebody's messing with me but this one i'm going to pass no, you off you know
1: to why the... we did this we know why you put your name here so that you could get someone else's name later on in the document it's okay <laughs> it's giving up, giving up the ghost. you mean oh, that you telling
3: me i would yeah. rig the document so that you ended up with a pixel game that's what you're yes. saying
2: Yes. Okay, that's that probably not true. That hard to, I was going to say, that is not that hard. To, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right, well, I'm going to pass this off one, r- real quick. But have you guys been watching the CES coverage out there? Because there's been some really cool things out there, and that's what this next section is about. Did anything in here intrigue any of you so besides
2: that? I, I looked up the price of the AKTV, but here's the interesting thing. Before I looked up the price of the AKTV, I already knew that I couldn't afford it. they have it's like did you see like they had the one they were demoing was like a 250 inch uh a 250 inch 8k tv i think it was 215 inch 8k tv at ces yeah Um, real here's my question and a serious question what can you play on it because we don't even have reliable 4k content out yet Where do you get 8K content?
0: You know what the the funny thing is is like the only thing place I can think of that has any any high res like 4K or 8K is YouTube.
2: N 8K though. There is a what? few
0: people who put stuff in 8K. Okay,
2: yeah. so if yeah. you'd like to get your if you'd like to get your vlogs in uh, in 8K. <laughs> That might be available. But like, re- realistically, like there's no movies, there are no TV shows that are being pr- very, very, very few. So if you want to go spend an absurd amount of money on your 219 inch 8K TV, knock yourself out. I think- <laughs> and you've got
1: a, and you've got a <laughs> spare football stadium to fit it down at one goal end while you sit at the other exactly. end to watch it. Exactly. Thank, <laughs>
2: you. Thank you. You're proving my point. Like, this is ridiculous. I mean, it's a six foot television.
1: Yeah.
0: It's,
3: it's
2: brilliant. The fact that it's, it's brilliant.
0: <laughs>
1: it's, it's achievable. That's what so that's what so If though.
3: I was, you know, playing CSGO or ballistic overkill, you guys, your characters would be life size as I shoot at them. Yeah, like, but it, you'd also have probably still, about seven frames, <laughs> seven frames a second.
1: Seven frames a second. And you'd still miss. Yeah.
3: But well, you know oh. what? Zeb, how dare you? You know why it would not be seven <laughs> frames per second? Because I would have the brand new that got announced there, 7 nanometer, as I said it was going to happen, Radeon Hmm. 7 GPU that is going to be their new flagship. And I am so excited to get my hands on this card. I'm starting to save up now because it's a little pricey at $699. And I just want to say, because we had arguments in our Telegram already, not arguments, I'm kidding, uh, people talking about the different specs and the different benchmarks and stuff. We don't know what this chip is fully capable of. They have not Mm -hmm. fully released all of the marks. In fact, a lot of people who have insider information are saying that the current iteration that was shown was held back on purpose, and there are additional areas for additional chips uh, even included on there. So we don't have the final version. Any benchmarks you see right now are just complete guesswork at best. But what we do know is that it at least beats the 2080 in its current iteration as is today and likely they're going to do at that price point. We would hope certainly, otherwise I will be disappointed in team red. See it stomp the 2080 TI as well in there. Uh, once they have the final version launch.
2: You're like a, you're mm-hmm. like a, a, like a X with a grudge to the to grind or something. You know?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't have an to grind. I just, I I've seen AMD rise from the ashes Ah, rise, And I'm very happy to see it because it gets competition, gets real competition out there. And for the first that time agrees. Intel and NVIDIA have actually had to push themselves to
2: keep up. And, yeah. they, and their
1: biggest competition and They're is, doing well, it. Yeah. And they're doing it quite easily because they've just issued a nice little simple $350 RTX 2060. So for the same <laughs> price as some people are paying for the Vega 64 flagship, you can get yourself a real rock solid RTX 2060. I will tell you, I was a
3: little disappointed in the price line that Ryzen came out there with the 699, but I'm sure they will have iterations that will match that 350 price mark. Because uh, obviously, 2060 is a lower end card, so they'll, they'll probably have a mid range to compete with that too. I would lower
2: well, end card. I mean, it'll still double the power of the 1080, but uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you sounded really official there, no. <laughs> how goes out to me
3: i'm gonna you, have you did, on the channel to talk about it and you just do ask, that
2: let me ask you something you thought about what games you're gonna play on this uh, new ryzen card that you're all hot about? absolutely
3: it, you... tux cart
2: ridiculous. <laughs> well you go ahead and play TuxCart, ryan because there's 132 out of the 250 most popular games that now run on linux large part thanks yes. to barrel interactive and uh, steam play for their massive contributions now if you're not a gamer what you have to understand Is that when companies make this kind of commitment to Linux, when they give this kind of contribution to Linux, they lend Linux legitimacy and it brings people onto that platform. There's plenty of people out there that. Their goal in life is to, when they get home, they just want to game. Mm -hmm. And so if they can do that most efficiently and most effectively on Linux, then they're gonna be on Linux. If they can do that most efficiently, most effectively on Windows, then they're gonna be on Windows. Guess what happens when they're done gaming? They stay on whatever platform they're on. And so this is an opportunity for us as a Linux community to start welcoming in, to be inviting to new users. And so even if you're not a gamer, unlike me, who battles 1v1 and no scopes you, (laughs) you have the opportunity to still participate in a meaningful in a meaningful way of bringing people into linux now out of the 250 most highly rated games 132 of them support linux now if you include platinum rated ga- platinum rated steam play games that number climbs to 153 out of 250 and if we add gold support it gets even closer so gaming on linux means that you miss out on very little and of course we expect things to only get better in 2019 steam play has 500 titles that have reached platinum status meaning that absolutely no issues when playing them on linux including titles like call of duty 4 modern warfare dragon ball xenoverse heat signature shadow warrior 2 outcast 2 hitman 2 silent assassin red faction guerrilla steam edition and a lot more none of which i've heard of or played uh, but- <laughs> All of those are available, and you should definitely check them out. If you don't check them out, at least be vocal and support these companies that make these contributions to Linux because even if you don't know scope people, it's valuable. There you go. Yeah. Well done for a non-gamer. You nailed that, man. <laughs> you nailed yeah. it. I think it's
3: interesting there's another 500 titles that have reached platinum status uh, for mm-hmm. Steam Play right now as yeah, well. Exactly. Which means, you know, when we talk about all of this fancy CPU and GPU, the reality is some of us do graphic design and other things that could utilize that. But for the most part, we use it for gaming. A lot of the desktop uh, users will use it just to game. If you spend $700 on a video card and have nothing to play, that would be a pretty sad story for, uh, to be on Linux. But that's not the case. It's just grown so much in just the two years I've been in Linux to see how many games have come. It's incredible. It is now a completely viable gaming
0: platform. And Proton has actually made it like it's only been about four, maybe four and a half months since they announced Proton, and we already have yeah. f- 500 platinum la- like uh, labeled games that you can play through their Proton Steam Play stuff. Like that is yeah. just amazing. Like how quickly and how like how well they work and stuff like that.
3: There's no way in closed source you would have had this fast of movement. that steam has had here because they open source this you have the community and steam in there pumping out in four months 500 titles that could never run on linux before that now can today
2: i'll add just add on to that real quickly too that you also have like what what is so frustrating to a lot of us out there particularly those of us who are linux users is that we have the thirty thousand foot view that that other people sometimes they're they're so up and close to the to the, the Mona Lisa that they don't see the beautiful picture, they just see the individual pixels, right? When, when, you, when, you, when you back out to the 30,000 foot view and you look at everything on an equal playing field, you say, listen, if all of those games ran on Linux, guess what, we, we all know from a technical perspective, they would run better. The operating system is more secure, it's more stable, it's better updated, it's, it's more well supported, the people that actually write the code actually care about it, they're not just taking a paycheck from some nameless company. All of those things create a better ecosystem for a gaming platform to exist on. So when we look at stuff like that and we go, listen, we know if we can get there, those users are going to be happier and it's gonna be a better situation for them and for the game manufacturers because their feet aren't tied at the knees from Microsoft. Right. So having that, you know, it adds a level of frustration for us that, that sit up there and look at it and go, if we can get there, we know people will be happy, just a function of getting there.
3: Yep, well said, well said michael what other game would you want to run on your brand new vega 7 i
0: i would have to agree with you and say super tux cart
3: yeah man
0: and that's and that's also that a reason reason why it's that is because the super tux Kart has we we announced that the like a previous episode that they were adding multiplayer support and today we're we're happy to join them in the announcement of the it's actually playable now in a beta so you can download the tarball and uh, extract it then you can do the run sh file run.sh and it'll allow you to play the game on in a a beta version but you can go to like the global servers you have to create an account in order to play uh, but it's it's just a basic account you just sign up in the game and then you're good to go and it it works great Uh, we actually played uh, myself ryan and dustin from ubuntu budgie played and who won would you uh, say ryan cheated is what i'm saying (laughs) So, so technically, what happened is that I was going to play, and I decided to play with a controller. But the controls were really weird and funky, so I had to fix them. And then when I was ready to play with them fixed, he just left.
3: Just to add a little context, uh, <laughs> both Dustin and Michael use NVIDIA. The winner of the challenge uses AMD. Just want to throw that out <sighs> there.
0: I mean, that's technically fact, but I mean, there's there's some nuance there. Okay. <laughs>
3: But that was it was say, ridiculously fun though it yeah, really is it was really it's, good yeah
2: it was it, so much fun. it makes
0: the game like it like i like playing super tux car for a, you know it's been around for like 18 years or something and it's been like it's been a, one of those games you go to and just kind of play around just have like five ten minutes fun in it uh, but having you know to multiplayer and be able to play against people at your friends and stuff it's it makes it so much better like it, it's really yeah. great so i'm yeah. glad to see that that's coming
1: Sound, sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, so now to the, uh, my favourite section of the show where I have to um, force myself to watch something that Ryan has produced for me. But in a twist to this week's show and the fact that you can now, you can now game with 132 of the 250th most played games on Linux, this thing wouldn't reach the top 1 million. So, <laughs> apart from the fact that Liam over at Gaming on Linux loves it, next, I'm not going to do that to Linux. How dare you, next. You
2: cover that article right now. If I can pretend to care, you can pretend to care.
1: I don't care. They have the cheap to charge you $9.99 for a beta that has just got... Square blocks on the screen. It's woeful. I'm sorry. But they I mean these guys are Seb, pouring their heart that... and soul into it, right? Yeah. They they are producing something that it's people so will really enjoy. <laughs> but it's rubbish. I'm sorry. I, actually I think it's a problem. For me. And this is why i should not do these types of reviews it was funny it was great and you get some good comedy value but if you really want these guys to have a chance at selling that game uh-huh. don't get me to review it so I- <laughs> thank you ryan because this is well unless,
2: <laughs> you're, unless you're going for the, the 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 top million then you said maybe there's a shot maybe Which, yeah. yeah there you go <laughs>
3: maybe I mean, the game is called Smith & Winston. I mean, how clever is that? Like Smith & Wesson, but Smith & Winston. And Liam from Gaming on Linux, who we would have to agree is one of the most knowledgeable on Linux gaming out there, says that he has a blast with it. It's a twin-stick shooter. It focuses on exploration. It looks very action-packed and fun. And yes, it doesn't have AAA graphics. But it's not quite
0: pixels either, Zeb. I mean, it's right in
3: between. It doesn't even blocks. have
1: Zed graphics. Well, it ha- it ha-
0: it's it has like a Minecraft style uh, yeah. visuals because it's voxel based. Yeah, and uh, voxels are actually a really interesting technology if you're wanting to learn about that. But you probably and don't. if
1: you're British, voxels were a crap car in the UK anyway. So you know, <laughs> it's be, it's, that's where the analogy comes from. That will only work if you're British, by the way. way. Oh,
0: nice. <laughs>
3: Well, so, nine dollars yeah. you could pick that up. Go check it out and play it and let us know was Zeb right and the game is worthless, or was Liam and Dos Geek right and it's awesome. So let's And us we know.
1: can't ask Linux Paul or the Dark One.
3: No. <laughs> so they're,
1: just well, no but, yeah. they're just as sad as you and Liam. They're just as sad.
0: All right, Michael, so, software spotlight. So next up is the software spotlight and this is something that Zeb would perhaps he would probably find some many good uses for us but well he doesn't have hepatitis so uh, you know but we might he might not but it's the uh, multi boot USB which you can go to multibootusb.org to find out more about it but the, it's really cool because it allows you to have a single USB drive and install multiple uh, distros on it so you can then, you know, l- install uh, distro's to your computer with like having a variety of different. So you essentially instead of carrying around like twenty different USBs like I normally do and have a different distro for each one, you can have all on a very big uh, USB drive to make it a lot easier. And what's really cool about it is that it has the ability to remove and uninstall these distros uh, non-destructively. That's a very important. Yes, key. that's very cool. Yeah. So uh, it's a really it's a really good software spotlight. I think Zeb would uh he would find some pretty good uses for it.
1: Yeah, I think it it could be, but the the thing that I've always had difficulty with these is the instructions that they give you to use these things, for me, are never never very user-friendly. Now, Hmm. you can't get anything more user-friendly than having Dolphin Oracle over at MX explain to you in a video how to create a persistent USB with MX. I've probably watched that thing 50 times, and I'm just missing something I don't I can't get it to work. So unless this thing has got some really good idiot guide, one step, <laughs> two step, three step instructions, I just don't get some of the geek speak. So I haven't looked at it yet. So but it- somebody correct me if I'm
2: wrong, but are we talking about two different things? So the, the multi-boot USB, it's you, so essentially you put Fedora and Ubuntu, whatever, uh, and Targos on there, and then you can choose which one to boot in off of a single drive, right? Yes. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the same thing as I want to create like a, a persistent drive that I'm going to install, right?
0: Right. It's not exactly the same now. Like I don't think it has persistence features and stuff like that.
1: Ah, oh, so right. this is just where you can store ten distros and decide which one to load up to install. Yes. Right. Not necessarily run them with persistence and say save your files and all right. that sort of thing. Exactly. Correct. In fact, it's the oh, in- my understanding okay.
2: about the non-destructiveness is it's the exact opposite. It will not let you modify the the uh, gotcha. the install. So if you so when you restart it, everything goes. It re- washes everything back out.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a pretty cool tool, and we get we had a lot of people who have over the episodes talked about. You need to talk about this. You need to talk about this. I finally put it in here because I had someone reach out to me in Telegram and say, "Can you please talk about this? Because they utilize it. They absolutely love it. So there's a huge fan base for this uh, tool out there. So definitely go check it out if you're somebody who carries around with them multiple ISOs someone will see you utilizing a tool like that frankly yeah
2: i I have i actually i've got it's um gosh i wonder if i can find it real quick it is a uh, it's a hardware version of that you it's a portable hard drive and you can and there's a little lcd and then you uh you choose which iso you want to boot and then the thing uh, boots up yeah i can't think of the name of it i'll see if i can find it before the end of the show maybe we can throw a link in the show notes
1: so this sounds like it can be really handy for someone like me who always needs to reinstall Peppermint because I'm always blowing it up. So get myself a Peppermint, uh, you know, an and Antigos on the one. Yeah. Just tuck it away to one side and only update it when the next ISO comes out.
0: Exactly.
3: Yep.
1: I will have a look at this. Excellent.
3: Awesome. So this tip and trick of the week uh, has to come from some of the stuff I've been learning this week, which was Vi and Vim. So I've been... Moving into this world, I looked at it in the coursework. It was the next thing up. I got scared. I was like, oh no, I've heard about this. I knew how to do WQ command, and that was about it. Uh, hey, but Ryan, I've gotten, yeah, Ryan,
2: don't be afraid of Vim. I opened Vim 15 years ago, and I never, I have not left. I can't figure out how to get out. So I've been in there for 15 <laughs> years. It's been a great so there's nothing to be afraid of nothing to be afraid of at all.
3: So I was, I've been using it. I took the courses. I get it. Now I've actually started writing some of my documents for the shows that I'll be doing on my channel in it just because I need to keep using it to be able to pass the tests and things in there. Um, So it's very interesting. I get why people say it's faster and some things. Personally, you know, it's, it's a little, it's difficult to get used to it compared to something like a nano or sublime text where you can open up these same files and edit things pretty quickly the way I'm used to it. But oh, I do yeah. get just like an i3. Once you get used to the shortcuts, it becomes much faster and being able to maneuver your windows and move them around. And it's very similar to this here, but one of the things that was in there that i didn't know about was vim Tutor, so if you have any interest in learning it when you install Vim, if you just type vim Tutor in your um, terminal it's going to kick up a twenty to thirty minute course that's written in there for you to practice and learn all of those shortcuts right then and there, and it's really mm-hmm. well done actually um, out there, so I thought that was a pretty cool tip and trick for anybody who might be out there wanting to learn it so as, there a, you go. as
2: a person as a person who spends i would say. 70 to 80% of my week my work is done in in at least touching vim in and out through through the command shell what i would tell somebody who wants to learn vim for the first time is say out loud the commands that equate to the keystrokes so for example when you quit don't say Now, which one, which is the command here, bang, WQ to get? No, it's bang, write, quit and say the words out loud. And what it will do is it will reinforce the action that you want to perform with the key command that goes with it. So, you know, bang, I want to go back to the command line and then write. I want to write the file out, quit. I want to quit or bang, quit, bang, because I need to escape the fact that I didn't pseudo in front or whatever the you know the, the thing is but that would be my suggestion is say those commands out loud and what that what those keystrokes do and don't make them a magical incantation actually learn what that what those letters are doing nice that's good advice i like that yeah for ide so a quick or... question
1: there bang is the exclamation mark yeah yes all
0: right. Gotcha. <laughs> you will understand. You will understand.
1: Actually, yeah.
2: I want to say that's not a US specific, I think that was I think that's the other way. I think it started somewhere else and came over here. Yeah.
0: It's, like, it's really? just a programming term. It was e- faster to say because it was like they referenced it because of comic books always had bang and it was always like you know ended with an exclamation point. Bang mm. yeah.
1: exclamation exclamation. That exclamation. makes sense. Right, gotcha. yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. just
0: an easier way to say it instead of going exclamation point because it just takes so much extra time for
2: Where does where does tac come from then?
0: Uh, it's, a uh, no, <laughs> it's a military thing.
2: <laughs> Michael. Michael. No,
0: it's a military thing. Michael came up
2: with that dumb thing. <laughs> the
0: reason why they, they, say, they say TAC because it's just as fast, fast as Dash, but Dash is, has multiple links. So if you say Dash, there could be five different versions you're referring to. Right. So TAC is yeah. always a specific size of a dash. So that's why they use that, really? is that. The
1: dashes, I mean. dashes not, that dashes. No,
0: there's there's shift. dashes. There's actually like long dashes for like um,
1: well shift. Dashes. Under, yeah, they're called underscores. Dash, dash. No, no, there's
0: there's hyphens. And I then can't believe dashes. we're
3: discussing this. I know,
0: <laughs> but there's multiple versions. A hyphen is a specific <laughs> size of a dash. Attack is another term for a hyphen. Who started Michael on you this? Don't, you don't say hyphen we, because if you're, you're not it. using in, in <laughs> it's your. It's, you all know it's, better. It's Noah's fault for sure. That's it for this this episode of Destination Linux.
3: Well, big thanks to each and every one of you. Know that uh, we appreciate you supporting us, whether you watch, in or, watch or listen to the show. Um, we are looking for alternatives out there as well for patrons, so be on the lookout for that. But for right now, patron will remain up for everybody to continue to support. And those funds also help bring Zeb to America. So uh, if you're not a part of the GoFundMe, don't feel bad. If you are a patron, you get to support as well, bringing Zeb to America, and we are going to have the greatest time ever when that
0: happens out there. So I can't wait. And you can guarantee we will be recording most of it so we can share it on the channel and everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it'll be, it'll be Zeb's greatest hiccups. (laughs) 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 So um, emails. Well, there's a shock. We need you to send us some emails. Let us know what you think about the show. Let us know some ideas that you want us to cover Let us know the mistakes we've made where we've talked about one particular thing and you don't agree with this and you can back it up with some technical details and then we'll correct ourselves on the next show. So basically just keep in touch because it's you that keep the show lively and keeps the banter going between the four of us as we talk about tax and dashes and hashes. (laughs) So send your email to comments at destinationlinux.org. And or if you want to use any one of the other methods that Michael has become uh, made available for us, go to destinationlinux.org forward slash context.
0: Yep. And also don't forget to like that smash button mm-hmm. and uh, share the, so- the show on social media. And uh, also, if you check out our individual channels, because we all have our own separate content, you can go check out Ryan at Geek where you, you can fill your brains. And you can yep. go to uh, Zeb where you can see him just, j- just going through caravans on a uh, hero truck simulator stuff on his streams. And Noah does the ask Noah show where you can call, call in and ask Noah all kinds of different questions, typically focused on Linux business and things like that. But, and also you can find out my stuff at tuxdigital.com and you can ch- check, out the Linux news show, the this weekend Linux show I do on uh, tuxdigital.com as well. So, Uh, Everybody, have a great week, and remember the journey itself is just as important as the destination.
1: Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye.
0: Only as important as the destination. Yeah, exactly.